Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You almost phasered me! Calm down. It's set to, uh, it was, it was set to stun. So I keep looking at the calendar and I'm realizing we've only got a few weeks left until we get a new Star Trek series. This is so freaking exciting. I agree. And I think Lower Decks, especially of all the new Star Trek series that I've kind of lived through the beginning of, I think this one's going to be the most game changing. Like this is the most different Star Trek I've ever seen. Yeah, which means that because it's a new Star Trek you're going to have the people that love it, and then you're going to have the people that hate it. But I think that's just comes with the territory of new Star Trek. It really does. And, you know, you could kind of say that about almost any show or anything like that. But for some reason, these genre shows like Star Trek and Star Wars, for whatever reason, really seem to attract that polarization, right? Like the people that love it and want to talk about it all the time and the people that hate it but for some reason still want to talk about it all the time. And still watch it all the time, too. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Because you know what? I like to spend my time watching things I don't like to watch. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely how I want to spend all of my time. (laughs) (laughs) And then go online and complain about it. But anyway, we don't do that on this show because we're positively Trek. Yes, indeed we are. I'm Bruce Gibson. We've got Dan Gunther. How are you? Not too bad. Very excited today because of some surprises, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Were you watching a trailer? I maybe was. <gasps> we have a Lower Decks trailer. We can really test who likes it and who doesn't like it now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Surprise trailer on a Sunday. Uh, we're, we're having to re-record a bit of this episode, of course, because of a new trailer. Which I'm I'm not complaining about. No. I'm not complaining. We got a new trailer for Lower Decks. I'm so excited. We keep things up to date around here as much as we possibly can. So yeah, that's great. So we're going to go into that trailer. We're going to talk through it. But after that, just to let you know what else is on the show, we have uh, the Comic-Con panels announced, which are going to be online. They're going to be virtual. So we're going to have three Star Trek Universe panels from Comic-Con online, no charge, virtual, coming up in the next week or so. So we'll get into that more. That's just a little tease on that. And not only that, but there was a virtual live panel from the Shore Leave Convention, which involved many Star Trek authors talking about the upcoming series, Strange New Worlds. And in addition to that, we've got some things on something that Patrick Stewart is working on. We've got a Deep Space Nine comic and a TOS novel coming out that we want to just briefly mention. And uh, we've got some stuff on Star Trek Online and an update on Star Trek Adventures. So that's coming up later in the show. But before we do that, let's talk about the Lower Decks trailer. First reaction, Dan. First reaction, I love it. And I mean, this is probably coming as no surprise to anyone who's watched my videos or listened to us on Positively Trek for these past 20 plus episodes. But 
I loved this. I thought it was really funny. The character designs, I think, work really well. There was definitely a Rick and Morty vibe there, also an inner space kind of vibe. And I was laughing. There were laugh out loud moments in the trailer for me, which I have to say almost kind of surprised me. I don't usually laugh when I'm sitting watching something by myself, but this definitely brought those actual real laugh out loud moments. I don't even remember if I laughed out loud, (laughs) but you're right. It's the same thing. I was watching on my phone. I was alone and yeah, I was just kind of surprised by it. And I think I was just more in shock. Like, oh my gosh, we actually have the trailer right now. And I'm just like intensely watching it. Like, okay, let me see what this is. Let me see what they did with this, you know, but it wasn't until later. I know I was laughing out loud because then it was like, okay, now let me watch it for real without that critical eye of what is this? How are they doing this? And I'm just sitting back and enjoying it and having fun with it. Yeah, the way my watching went is I'd say the first five to ten watches were uh, (laughs) with kind of a critical eye saying, what is this? You know, as I was laughing and all that kind of stuff. Then I'd say my next 15 to 20 watches after that were probably just to take it in and laugh and absorb it. And then I think the next about 150 watches will probably be me sitting down going frame by frame and finding all the little tiny details so I can make a video about it. (laughs) And you know what, everyone, you may be laughing at that, but it could be true. It's it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but probably (laughs) not as much of an exaggeration as my therapist would like it to be. (laughs) Well, this podcast is also therapy for you because you get it out of your system. Definitely. So, so, hey, it starts off with a captain's log. We hear, you know, the Star Trek theme and we get into a captain's log and it's like, okay, this sounds like real Star Trek. And it's 57436.2. And I was like, okay, they said this is going to take place in 2370. Let me see if that's right. And I did the math in my head. 2380. I'm sorry, 2380. You're right. I was like, in my head, I was calculating, okay, so 2364 is... When it was 41000, yep, 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 2380, that's correct. <laughs> it works out. Yeah, he's, folks, they've done the math. <laughs> yes, they, they know Star Trek. And the other thing was interesting to me is we get to really see the USS Cerritos, a lot of angles here. And I do really like the ship. I mean, that one angle we saw originally, I was like, I don't know. I'd have to see different angles. I'm not sure. But I, I don't know if love is really the right word, but I really like the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one shot that kind of is from the top and the the ship is kind of coming up past the camera and then the deflector dish is underneath. It really looks like a classic Starfleet look in that shot in particular. But every shot we got of the ship in this one as it passes these nice beauty shots. I really dig the ship, too. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, I was afraid it was going to look a little too weird, but it doesn't. I, I thought mm-hmm. it looks fine. It looks good. Yeah, I agree totally. It uh, It's definitely a different shape, but I think like every Starfleet ship and every series, it will feel right at home very quickly. Well, and then the registry number is NCC 755. Six seven. Now, Dan, you and I haven't talked about this before the show, but I was speculating with our friend Aaron Harvey about a week ago that they would the registry number would be the Cerritos, California zip code. And I thought Mm. it was one zip code. He thought it would be another because apparently there's two zip codes in Cerritos, California. But this is nowhere even close to being the zip code of Cerritos, California. As a matter of fact, I looked it up. It's some town in Texas. So 
it's not the zip code, so I don't know where they got this number. I don't know if you have any speculation or inside knowledge of that. The only thing I can say is I, I feel like these people, Mike McMahon especially, they know their Star Trek. And that number does put it in the right time period. As far as like the specific digits that it is, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a story behind it. I'm sure it has significance of some kind that, you know, one of them will tweet about at some point. But that number that starts 7-5 with three more digits after it, you know, puts it after Voyager, after the Defiant, after that era of Starfleet chips. So it, it fits in that time period. Uh, I think overall the the format of the number does that. As far as, like I said, those specific digits, though, I feel like that's a story that's going to come out at some point because these guys, they put Easter eggs and tiny little hints of stuff in everything. I've got to imagine there's something behind that. I even added the numbers together, which is 30. I, and it mm. doesn't mean anything. Oh my gosh, what if the numbers added up to 31, like section 31? Ooh. <laughs> or if they added up to 47, that would have been. Yeah. 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 I kept looking and thinking, I wonder if I didn't spend a whole lot of time on that, but yeah, I, even the 67, the last two digits, six, seven, I thought, oh, maybe that's the year. No, no. Star Trek came out in 66. So that's not it, you know, but maybe so, it's reading too much into it. But like with Discovery, it's one, zero, three, one, 10, 31. And that we found out is the date for Halloween. Yeah. Brian Fuller's favorite holiday. And that's all it was. <laughs> yeah. So there's got to be something like that. Well, anyway, we won't dwell too much on that. You know, just seeing these characters, it really seems like there's a lot of focus on two of the major characters here. And that is Ensign Mariner and Ensign Boimler. Is that how you mm -hmm. pronounce it, you think? Yes, <laughs> okay. I believe so. <laughs> they seem to be the two main ones. It's a four-cast main character group, but the trailer really focused on these two more than the other ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other two do feature a little bit, but yeah, there definitely seem to be a focus on these two. I feel like early in the season, it's going to be kind of establishing the characters and establishing the relationships between the characters. And I think the relationship between those two ensigns in particular is going to be an interesting one as the show goes on. You know, the male and female leads, I guess, in this series, they're kind of interplay where there's there's almost a kind of ribbing relationship between them where it seems like she's kind of prodding him for being a bit of a nerd geek type person. But I think there's also probably going to be some kind of sexual tension there as well, given especially one of the scenes we see in this as well, which, uh, you know, maybe that will develop or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and just touch on our favorite aspects of the trailer instead of just going through it beat by beat, because we would be here probably for an hour doing that. We've got a lot of other things to do here on the show. But that scene is one of my favorites where she walks in on him and he's I guess expecting someone else to show up. He's not in his quarters. He's not on the bridge, but he's in a public operations area. <laughs> it seems kind. that way. Yeah. yeah. Or a shuttle, maybe. I don't know. Something. Yeah. But he's got no clothes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just screaming at the top of his lungs. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. <laughs> I love that. What other scenes did you like? Oh, man. A favorite of mine, and I, and I think this is a favorite of a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people mentioning it online, is when they're in the shuttlecraft and she's playing with the blast shield 
And Tani Newsom, she's a singer, like she's a musician. And you can tell just from this little bit where she's kind of riffing about the blast shield goes up, down. I don't know what she sings, but it was, she's got a great voice. And again, Ensign Boimler's off to the side yelling, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop doing that, stop it. You know, it's, <laughs> I love this kind of interplay between them. I'm glad you mentioned it because that was the scene I was going to mention next. So yeah, that's definitely a favorite. I think also, I I kind of liked even how the trailer started, how we see Boimler in a closet and we hear a captain's log, but then we find out, oh no, he's just an ensign practicing to be a captain and, and she catches him and like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, is this how you spend your uh, shore leave time or whatever? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great relationship between the two of them and i love how like she's just laughing her head off at it and the like i've watched this trailer like i said a number of times and i love her expression as they like tumble out of the closet and she's like not even trying to get get the pad from him anymore she just kind of like is rolling on the floor laughing at it all i love it <laughs> but yeah i'm a little disappointed uh we have the green girl she's actually called green girl in the sick bay uh ensign Tendi. but we don't get really much of her in this trailer and the same thing with ensign rutherford we just i mean there's a little bit here and there where he's like oh and somebody says he's a natural born warrior and he's like okie dokie like I don't know. I guess we'll get more as the show comes out, of course, but I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of them. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like they're going to be more important in the show than the trailer is letting on. Uh, I know Ensign Tendi, kind of the idea behind her character is she's kind of a Starfleet fangirl. Like she's the one that will be like, oh my gosh, I love this about, you know, the ship. And, oh, did you hear about this mission where they did this? Like she's kind of the geeking out over being in Starfleet. And the interesting thing about Ensign Rutherford is he's an engineer. He's not a security officer. So I'm thinking like part of the show will be like, he's got a natural born gift for being security or like he says a natural born warrior, but that's not his dream. He wants to be a great engineer. So I feel like that's going to be kind of his story. I didn't realize that they would be playing with that aspect. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So I guess the characters will be finding themselves, you know, maybe they have an idea of what they want to do, but then over time that changes or they discover they want to do something different. I like how Ensign Mariner was on that one planet and she says, no one is dying from a spear wound. We're Starfleet. Something like that. You know? <laughs> I had flashbacks to like the original series with stuff like that. Like, that's great. Spock being shot with a flintlock rifle or something. You know, I love it. Yeah. And the last thing I'll just mention real quick is when they're looking at the uh, diagram of the ship and they're like, oh, are we up here? We're actually way down here. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that because I think this scene in particular showcases how great this show will be for little Easter eggs and hidden bits. And of course, you know, hidden bits in those Elkar's ship diagrams are a tradition of Star Trek. And the one that I immediately picked out, I, I still have to go through and find everything, but the one that I did see was they show the shuttle bay being very near where the ensign's quarters are, and there's a couple of Argos parked in the shuttle bay. And those are, of course, those uh, all-terrain vehicles that we see in Star Trek Nemesis, for good or ill. People love it or hate it. <laughs> I think mostly hate it. But uh, I love that they include those little references like that. That, that made me laugh. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be tons in there. I can't wait as we dig through these, you know, frame by frame when we get new episodes looking for little Easter eggs. You know we're going to see a triple somewhere. You just know. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for every little tiny thing. <laughs> well, and you're going to review it more on your YouTube channel. That's the plan. Yeah, I do plan to do a, it uh, should be out by the time this episode's out, I think, where I'm doing like a frame by frame kind of, well, maybe not frame by frame, but scene by scene kind of analysis of the trailer. So keep an eye out for that on Kurtrat's Productions. Hopefully, if all goes according to plan, and now I've locked myself in by including it in this episode, I have to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I mentioned it, Dan, is to make sure that you actually now are committed to doing it. Oh, thank you. I need you. I need you like on my weight loss program or something. <laughs> I need you too for that. <laughs> Maybe we'll start doing a weight loss program on Positively Track. I, I can't say I'm in love with the idea, but I would do it if you wanted. <laughs> Every week we have to announce what our weight is. We have to weigh in oh, before God. each episode. Okay. I No, I veto that. I veto <laughs> that idea completely and utterly. <laughs> all right. Well, we're done with the trailer. So we'll just end that all right there. Let's move on to, though, let's talk about what's coming up with Comic-Con, because I kind of just put Comic-Con out of my mind. With the whole COVID-19, it's just like, yep, no conventions going on, whatever. We'll get some news. They'll release something about Star Trek whenever they feel like it. But they're actually doing something online. Yeah. Now, this is pretty exciting. The uh, Star Trek universe, they're calling it, are going to be present at Comic-Con. And they're calling it Comic-Con at Home this year because it's all going to be just streamed. There's no actual venues that people are going to go to. So what's kind of interesting is this will actually be the first San Diego Comic-Con I attend and attend in quote marks, <laughs> which is actually really exciting. Well, I thought the same <laughs> thing about Shore Leave Convention, which we're going to talk about later, that Strange New Worlds panel. I attended that online, but that's my first Shore Leave Convention that I've attended because I keep saying I want to go sometime and I guess I kind of have now. Yeah. Surely 41.5, they called it, <laughs> which is, they didn't want to make it a full numbered shore leave, but <laughs> I like yeah, that. It's really strange, but I love this because now we have this opportunity to do like what you're saying is we can go to these conventions without actually going and paying. We don't even have to pay. There's no airfare, there's no ticket registration, membership pricing and all this stuff. There's no lines, there's no crowds. Of course, there's no fun in that, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no cosplay. We just sit here and watch the panels. Uh, well, there's some good and bad in that. But anyway, so on July 23rd, which is a Thursday, Star Trek Universe, which, by the way, I keep noticing they keep using Star Trek Universe a lot. It's like Marvel Universe or whatever, you know. I like that, the kind of shared universe of Star Trek. And and that logo, I'm sorry, it is beautiful. Yeah, different colors in it with like, you know, the Delta or whatever. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. But Star Trek Universe will land at Comic-Con, and they're calling it Comic-Con at Home, and there's going to be three back-to-back -back panels. The first one is the cast of Star Trek Discovery from Season 2. So they're all going to get together. The whole cast of Season 2 Discovery is going to be there. And not only are they just there to talk, but they're doing a table read, which I think is really cool. A virtual table read of the season two finale, Such Sweet Sorrow Part Two. So I guess, of course, they're not all together on the panel. They're all virtual, like using Zoom or whatever they're going to do, but they're all going to be there. Right. And yeah, so this is most of the cast of that episode all together. It's going to be pretty cool. They're also there with 
co-showrunner Michelle Paradise and the executive producer Olatunde Osunsanmi. And he was also the director of that episode. So the director of that season two episode will be there to kind of, I'm assuming, direct them in their table read of that as well. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, you know, they did a table read before they actually shot the episode, but this is the first time we get to see a table read and hear a table read, but it's after the episode. So, yeah, this is going to be fun. And, of course, we've got, you know, our cast members that play Pike and Number One and Spock who are going on to Strange New Worlds. And, yeah, the whole cast of that episode is going to be doing this. And I don't know if this is – I think this is the first time we've seen something like this in Star Trek where a whole cast does a table read for us. As far as I'm aware, yeah, I don't remember seeing anything like this before. It's it's definitely an interesting look kind of behind the scenes of what goes on there. I feel like there might have been some special features on some Blu-ray or something that we see like maybe a part of a table right. read or, or a clip from it, but never kind of a whole thing like this. I, you know, I also have to guess, I have to assume there's going to be like a little trailer or some sneak peek of discovery season three here as well. Right. I mean, they've got everybody there. They, they have all the footage for season three. They're just working on post-production at the moment. They've got to bring a trailer, right? Like they've surprised us with stuff like this before. Yeah. Cause we're so close. I mean, we don't have that date for season three, but we keep hearing it's definitely going to be this year. I and mean, we're already past the halfway mark of 2020. So, yeah, we've got to get a trailer or at the very least a clip or two. I think so. I'm I'm I I would almost put money on it. I mean, a table read is fun. I mean, I'll enjoy that. But yeah, I really wanted like let's talk season 3 people. Come on. <laughs> you know, and show us something. Yeah. You know, I don't need you to rehash what I've already seen. Uh but yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And uh then that is followed by another panel. So three panels in a row. They're all Star Trek universe related. So the second one is about the upcoming animated comedy, Star Trek Lower Decks. And again, we have the cast. We have the voice cast there. Now, this is interesting because they did announce that there would be an extended first look at the first episode of Lower Decks. And I did notice that Tawny Newsom, uh, July 9th, tweeted I know folks want a trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks. I haven't had time to make one, sorry. <laughs> but would you settle for a full scene from episode one? Also, some tom- hijinks and tomfoolery with folks like me and then the rest of the cast, as well as Mike McMahon, the showrunner for Lower Decks. So it sounds like they're bringing an entire scene from the first episode. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, there'll be little clips, maybe a little highlight reel to kind of get you jazzed. But I I really like this. They're apparently showing an entire scene from that episode. And you mentioned Tommy Newsom, who uh, Tawny is the voice of Ensign Beckett Mariner of Star Trek Lower Decks. So quite exciting. I got to learn all these new names and actors, right? I know it's, we're having to do it more often these days. I think I just learned all the cast of Picard and I'm like, oh man, there's a new group. Well, I'm glad you're familiar with the cast of Picard because you know what? That's the third panel. They're going to be there. (laughs) Well, I keep saying they're going to be there. I keep picturing my head, Comic-Con and them all on stage, but it's all virtual. They're all going to be home. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, they're all sitting at a table and the camera's panning back and forth. No, it's going to be like, I'm sure we're all familiar with Zoom meetings at this point with this new reality that we're living. Yeah, it's going to be like the Hollywood Squares style of San Diego Comic-Con panel. <laughs> They're all going to be in their little boxes on the screen. <laughs> I'll take uh, Patrick Stewart for the win, please. Well, yeah, so at this panel, Patrick Stewart's going to be there, including the main cast of Star Trek Picard, to discuss season two. In addition to that, Brent Spiner's going to be there. Jonathan Del Arco's going to be there. Jonathan Frakes, Jerry Ryan, Marina Sirtis. So, I mean, we got a good group of people. I keep seeing, again, there. They're going to be there virtually online talking about star trek picard and i am mean, just like this is a full day well not a full day it's a half day roughly of things and it's on the 23rd of july which is a thursday and it starts at 10 a.m pacific time so okay i work during the day i might have to take at least a half day off yeah so that would be 1 p.m your time eastern am yes I correct? that's correct 11 a.m. my time. I'm currently not working, so uh, I will definitely be watching. The funny thing is, though, this is July 23rd. I'm getting married on July 25th, so I actually had to go to my fiance and say, uh, so two days before our wedding, I'm going to be doing this. Is that okay? And and I've been assured it's totally fine. Yep, I have the time to do oh, this. No, I so. love this, Dan. This is a great test of your marriage, whether you should get married or not. <laughs> If she would have said no, I would have been said, Dan, you can't do this. You can't go through with the wedding. Like, you can't let her say no to Star Trek. <laughs> the thing is, I absolutely know, knew that she wouldn't say no. Yeah. Either because she's as big a nerd as I am. Uh, not so much into Star Trek as I am. She she loves Star Trek. She really enjoys Star Trek. We've watched it all together. Uh, but, you know, as big a nerd as I am into Star Trek, she is into Star Wars, so she gets it. She totally gets it. Yeah, well, I don't even know. I haven't even looked to see if there's something Star Wars related coming to Comic-Con, so she may be doing the same thing the next day with you. <laughs> <laughs> During the wedding on, on the 25th, yeah, maybe that's that's the Saturday. I, I would bet that's probably when all the Star Wars stuff is, so oh she might be ba making a much bigger sacrifice than I am. If I were getting married on a Saturday like that, and they were premiering something Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever, like a trailer or something, I seriously would be like right before, right after the wedding, looking at my phone and watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think anyone could blame you, knowing you as we do. <laughs> right. Well, again, so that's July 23rd, 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's going to be on YouTube. So it's at youtube.com slash user slash Comic-Con. And I'm sure, of course, if you just go to YouTube and search Comic-Con, you'll be able to find it. I'm going to assume, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to assume that these, if you don't, if you can't watch it while it's live, that those videos will remain there to watch later. I can't imagine them taking them down afterwards. And we'll, of course, have links to their channel in the show notes for this episode as well. Okay. Well, that's good. At least I'll be able to find it because if I have to work, <laughs> then I have to watch it later. <laughs> Just go to positivelytrek.libsyn.com and click this episode and those links will all be there. Because that's probably how I'll get there, too, because I'll know it's there. <laughs> so let's since we're talking about panels, uh, we're recording here on a Saturday. And last night there was a panel about strange new worlds 
from the virtual Shore Leave Convention, which takes place every second weekend of July in, was it Hunt Valley, Maryland, I think? Yeah, that's correct. Because you've been once, I haven't, but you've been, and that's right outside of Baltimore. And uh, But this time, of course, it's virtual. So they had several Star Trek writers, authors, on to discuss this. And so we had Michael Jan Freeman, we had Kelly Fitzpatrick, Dayton Ward, Christopher L. Bennett, and John Jackson Miller on the panel. And the moderator was Amy Imhoff. So I took some notes, Dan. I heard they say they had 150 people watching. Yeah, that was really surprising. I've I've been, like you said, to Shore Leave, and the panels are in fairly small rooms, and there was not 150 people in any panel that I went to when I went there. So that's pretty cool. You know what they should do in the future? Go ahead and have those panels like they do, but then also stream it online for a little fee. Absolutely. I think that's a brilliant idea. I've only been to one and it's it's like the convention for Star Trek authors. I would absolutely attend every year uh, if I could do it remotely for sure. Yeah, well, I definitely would. Absolutely. So, but yeah, so they're talking about strange new worlds. We don't know a lot about it. So a lot of this is kind of a wish list of things that we want to see or not want to see. So, for example, and I'm just going to go through this, Dan, and I'm, I'm want to see your reactions to these, and I'll give mine if I feel like it. So, uh, <laughs> so Dayton Ward says that he would like it to be episodic and not having any long arcs. Because, of course, with Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, we've had long season-long arcs, very serialized seasons. But with Strange New Worlds, should it be different? Yeah, I remember this being brought up and somebody kind of compared what they thought Strange New Worlds would be like to a show like The West Wing. And I I think I agree with this. So, you know, standalone episodes that are focused on one kind of issue or whatever, but with like a few threads that kind of run through the episodes. I'm thinking like the majority of Deep Space Nine or some parts of TNG, for example, where Worf was dealing with his discommendation and, and that kind of thing. You know, just these these threads that weave through, but each episode is pretty much its own story. That would be an ideal for me. Not that I don't like these season-long arcs that Picard and Discovery are doing, but I like to see a variety. And, you know, maybe the people that have kind of not really enjoyed Discovery and Picard will find something to love about Strange New Worlds if that's the way they choose to tell their stories. I think if everything's just the same as everything else, then that's boring in the same way that, like, I'm glad that Picard and Discovery aren't just clones of previous treks as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Orville, and that's very episodic, but there are some small threads that are connected in between different episodes. It's not like everything resets and everything's forgotten about from the previous episode as if it never happened. Looking at you, Voyager, in some respects. Yeah. <laughs> Giving you the side eye. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think I'd also like to see it played out in a similar manner as Star Trek Enterprise Season 4. I like mm. the mini arcs. Yeah. I would like a maybe a standalone episode and then a mini arc of two or three episodes and just a variety of that, you know, where n- nothing that's necessarily season long. Believe me, I'll take a season long arc if that's what they want to give us. That's fine. But I would like to kind of switch it up 
and have like many mini arcs is where I would like to go with it. Yeah, I like that idea. And having just recently rewatched Enterprise, season four, I think is one of the best seasons of Star Trek since Deep Space Nine went off the air. And and I would love to see that model done for Strange New Worlds as well. The one thing that I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't know, is it would eat up a lot of episodes, I assume, because it would. It, this is probably between 13 and 15 episodes per season. It's not going to be, you know, 20 to 26 episodes like star trek was back in the day but yeah making those more meaningful stories that have a little bit more meat to them you can get into the characters a little bit more and examine them in this situation without it being like a big season long arc but yeah smaller mini arcs i think that's a great idea well with the expense of these shows because there's such bigger budgets and bigger special effects if they did it episodic and it's a different alien, different planet every week, they'd be putting a lot more money into creating these new special effects, new CGI, all this stuff every week to week. And of course, the original series, for example, always had to do some new sets, but there were sometimes they had to do the ship in the bottle just so they didn't have to go off site or build new sets or whatever. I just wonder if one of the appeals of Hollywood when you're doing shows like this as a series long episode, in a sense, the serializing is that they could use a lot of the same special effects for each episode because you're not changing things up as much. So if you develop the Red Angel CGI, you you can use that for several episodes and not just one. Hmm, That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, Uh, Star Trek traditionally has reused a lot of locations and sets as well. And, you know, even just watching Discovery, like season one, I recently saw the episode in the Mirror Universe where they go to the the Firewolves encampment. And I was like, oh, that's Talos 4 in the next season, if memory oh, really? serves. So it's the same like quarry outside of Toronto or whatever. And I think it might have been the same area that they shot uh, Sevis Pachum Parabellum, the, the Pavo homeworld as well. So... Uh, there's still a bit of that, I think, too, for sure. Absolutely, there is. Well, let's go on to something that Michael Jan Freeman said. He had talked about the characters developing their relationships with one another. That was something he was really interested in. And he had a really interesting point in the fact that he said, right now, the relationship between Pike, Una, and by the way, they kept referring to her as Una, which I love, not number one, but Pike, Una, and Spock, that those relationships are mature right now. So we're coming into mature relationships. We're not coming into a series where we're establishing and developing those relationships. And he started pointing out that the original series had a lot of conflict between the characters, and he would like to see that. So how does it work now if they already have established relationships? Do we then just play that off of the other new characters? That could be. I mean, you know, a lot of the Star Trek series, we see the beginning, right? So the next generation, it's a newly commissioned starship, Deep Space Nine. Everybody's just getting to the station and getting to know each other. I think if you look back, though, at the original series, that was one that I think you kind of jump in with a lot of these relationships having been established already. And, you know, there's some feeling out of that. There's some hiccups along the way but for the most part this is you know her five-year mission we're in the middle of this mission right we're not joining we're not showing the assembly of the crew these are established people working together and i think using that model is interesting 
I, I kind of like the idea almost of this being more back to that where we see everybody just kind of already in their roles and how that all works. I, I think also I, I'm thinking back to the first episode of Discovery as well. They kind of tried to do that with the Shenzhou. You know, they'd all been together for seven years. Burnham had been serving with Giorgio for seven years. I think, you know, if you have a group of actors that can do that well, I think that can really work. No, I think you're right. I think it could work. I think if I were the writers, I would bring in maybe two new crewmen so that we have an opportunity to play around with people trying to get to know one another and establishing relationships. So you have a group of people that are firmly related to each other. They have their relationships that we've been serving together and you've got some new crew members that are trying to fit in and try, and we kind of look through their eyes to get to know our main characters and vice versa. So one thing I'd love to see just kind of going with that idea is for example, maybe a POV character for an episode or two cadet Tira Sidhu, who we met in the short trek episode, ask not right. You know, seeing her experiencing this ship for the first time and through fresh eyes, I think could be a neat way to look at the series and maybe a really interesting way to introduce us to the series as well as she's getting to know the enterprise and her new position there. Well, let me jump to something that Christopher L. Bennett was saying. He was saying, you know, who are the other characters? We really only know about these three. So, you know, the field is wide open to add other characters And so he's excited about the other characters and what we don't know about them and what we can learn from them. We already know a lot about Pike. We already know a lot about Spock. But what about all of these other characters? But he also mentioned that he's worried about what they will do with Spock or what could they do with Spock? Because we know so much about Spock already Mm -hmm. that really what what new aspects of Spock are you going to bring to this character? Yeah, I've seen people online worrying about that too. And I have to admit that's a bit in the back of my mind. Like we've seen so much of the life of this person and to a lesser extent Pike, but you know, with Spock, especially like we've seen so much, it's really hard to know what they'll do with his character that won't, you know, fundamentally change things. You don't want to mess things up too much, but you also don't want it to be stagnant and unsurprising as well. Right. So you know, I, I think they they have a challenge there, but I think, you know, if the writers are up to that challenge and I think they can do some interesting things. I'm not a Hollywood writer, so I have no advice for them. I'm sorry. I don't envy that position, but, uh, it, you know, hopefully what they come up with is interesting and still surprising, even though we know so much about him. Yeah, I'm not a writer either, but I'm thinking where we saw Spock in Q&A and where we see Spock in TOS. Of course, Spock is more logical in TOS, less emotional. And in the earlier years, like in Q&A, he smiles, he sings, whatever it is. So now we can make me make a storyline, a bridge of those two of why Spock goes from being a little more emotional to being less emotional by the time of TOS. Like what took him there? What is that journey? But I think also what would be really interesting is play off these other characters and let's learn more about them and less about Spock, but give a character to Spock where they can play off each other really well. Mm -hmm. That Spock becomes like the mentor or the person that he's, we associate him with, he's being mentored by that person. Maybe it is Una or something else, but I think it has to be about a relationship. I can absolutely see a mentor-mentee relationship between Una and Spock. 
And I would almost, you know, people would accuse them of just retreading old ground and stuff, but I would almost love to see in like season two or three or four, you know, however long this goes on, I would love to see an episode where they get trapped in a turbo lift again. And it's just a callback <laughs> to Q and a, yeah. and it shows how far that character has come and how different he is from, you know, when that happened in that short track episode, when he first came aboard the enterprise or have Spock on a turbo lift with Pike and they get stuck. <laughs> and Spock says, well, uh, are there any hobbies or secrets that nobody knows about you, captain? And Pike's like, wait, what, why are you asking me this? Uh, forget it. No reason. <laughs> or Spock is doing everything he can to not have the subject of horses come up, but unfortunately <laughs> it does. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that'd be great. Well, Dayton Ward said, uh, we don't know really anything about Una. There, there, there's a whole opportunity there with that character. We've already established a lot about Pike and Spock, but we know very little about Una. So there really is a great opportunity with her character. Definitely. And Una is a character that has a lot of non-canon stuff about her that, you know, in some cases conflicts with other sources and that sort of thing. So it'll be really interesting to see what they decide to go with for her character as far as like what the canon origin of this character is, is she a super smart top of the cream of the crop person from the planet Illyria who's joined Starfleet or is she just a human being or, you know, what, what is her character? I, I really can't wait to see what they do with her. I think it was Christopher L. Bennett said that we've already kind of seen these characters before because Kirk was modeled after Pike and Spock was modeled after number one. And McCoy is modeled after Boyce. So are we just retreading here? So we've got to do something a little different than that. But I think the one interesting thing about Pike is what Kelly mentions. Kelly Fitzpatrick says that we know Pike's fate. He knows his fate. That could be really interesting. Yeah. This is another thing I've seen a lot of people kind of dismissing this before it starts saying like, oh, Pike knows his fate. So there's no... There's no drama there. He can't be killed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he knows that. So that's that's not compelling at all. I, I take the opposite tack. I think there's a lot of potential for some really interesting dramatic stuff there. If Pike knows his fate and knows he's fated to have this happen to him, that's interesting. Like, how does he react to that? How does he react to situations? We saw a little bit of that in Discovery, but his confidence in that was shaken by the Admiral as well, where, you know, he says, as long as I'm in this room, this torpedo can't go off because I can't die. And she says, are you sure about that? Are you willing to risk your ship and your crew with that? And the camera turns around and shows his face and it falls, right? He's He's not 100% certain about this. You know, he thinks he knows everything based on this little scene he's he's witnessed. But at the same time, he doesn't know the context of that. He doesn't know what happens after all of that with the Telosians and all of that. So, you know, I think there's some interesting interplay there with with what does he know? What does he think he knows based on what he's seen? We don't know for sure. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I'm really hoping that they kind of play off of that because you're right. It's like, what does he go into a situation that's dangerous knowing this isn't his time? And they're like, you know, captain, you shouldn't do that. You could die. No, I know I won't. Is it going to be like that? It's yeah. Kind of weird. Or 
or does he does does he second guess that? Is this really his fate? Does he really, as John Jackson Miller said, does he really know his destiny? I mean, you know, and and the, my thought also is that experience he had could that experience fade from his memory for some weird reason that it doesn't stick in your mind after a certain period of time? That's true. I mean, there's so many things you can play with that, but also, you know, what relationship develops with Spock to the point then we get to the menagerie, why Spock does what he does. Yeah, definitely. And, and with Pike as well, one thing that has always kind of stuck with me is when he takes the time crystal, right? Tanavik says by taking the crystal, you seal your fate and like, you can't change that. I don't take that as literally as that, as some people do. I think, and this is just my interpretation. I think that by taking the crystal, despite seeing that future, he reveals to Tanavik what kind of person he is. And that is what seals his fate because I think he could on that day be about to go on that ship and look around and see the familiar faces and realize, Oh my God, this is the ship. This is what happens that day. He could turn around and walk out, but because he's the kind of person that took the crystal with regardless of what his fate is, he's the kind of person that would look at those faces and say, I need to save as many of these kids as I can. This is where I need to be. That's what seals his fate. And I think that's a cool statement about Captain Pike. Absolutely. I love that. I love the way you said that, but also it's an opportunity for him to realize this is that time. Maybe I can prevent that from happening. That maybe too, yeah. Because I do know the future. I'm told I can't stop it, but maybe I can. The future's always in flux, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, uh, I, I hope we do get to that point, actually, in this series. That would be interesting. I Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that says he has to be the captain of the Enterprise for the whole run of the series. The fact right. that it's Strange New Worlds and not, you know, Star Trek The Enterprise or Star Trek 1701 or even Star Trek Captain Pike, you know, it really opens itself up to be some to do some really interesting things. Yeah, at least if when they get to their final season and they know it's the final season, that that's the opportunity to address that, you know. Oh, that uh, would be cool. <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, some other things in here. So uh, Michael Jan Freeman says that he's hoping that the series will have more sci-fi in it. You know, all the series have sci-fi. They're all sci-fi shows. But I think I, get, I know what he's getting, you know, more like a hardcore science fiction element to it. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I I kind of agree. I I feel like there's a bit of a slippery slope there where, for example, season one of Voyager, where it's like, let's do weird things for the sake of being weird, you know? I think it's easy to get kind of lost in the weeds of that. But at the same time, like, I I do understand that desire for a harder sci-fi. I like exploration of characters and relationships and that sort of thing against the backdrop of science fiction, as long as I feel like that stuff doesn't crowd out the characters and, and, you know, make it like, Oh, look at the spectacle, look at the weirdness, look at the strangeness. And we still are focused on our characters and how they're responding and reacting to that sort of stuff. I'm on board, but it's, it's a, it's a balancing act, I think for sure. And then Christopher L. Bennett says that he's hoping there's not too much continuity porn, meaning we're not every episode connecting to something in TOS or TNG or whatever. 
I, and I'm totally on board with that. We've got to do some more original stuff and not just focus on reflecting back on Enterprise or TNG or TOS or whatever and connecting all the dots all the time. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. I don't want to see Kirk in this season, in, in this series, or if we do, like maybe in the finale, like P- Pike turning over command to Kirk or whatever, you know, like maybe, you know, push that as far off as you possibly can. Uh, you know, I, I don't need little references to what Sulu's doing or whatever. Uh, I'm sure there will be some of that, but like, yeah, let's try and keep it to a minimum. And, you know, I agree with you not seeing Kirk. I mean, of course, if they showed Kirk, I, I would be happy. I'd be like, oh, look, it's Kirk, you know. But at the same time, it's like, oh, come on. Do we really need to stretch everything? But even to your point, I don't even want them to refer to Kirk. Yeah. He's just a lieutenant somewhere doing something on the Farragut or whatever he is at this time, right? Like, nope. <laughs> don't need to hear that. That's one little nitpick I had with the novel we just read, the Star Trek Discovery novel by John Jackson Miller called Die Standing. I won't give it away, but there's a character in there from TOS that keeps referring to Jimmy Kirk. Yeah. (laughs) Like three or four times in the book. And I'm like, really? Why? There's no reason to keep bringing up Jim Kirk. (laughs) Yeah. I, regarding that part of the novel, I absolutely agree. There's another part that Kirk has a bit of a part in. He's not seen, but he's referred to that part. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But this particular character referring to Kirk over and over didn't make sense to me. And that was all, and nobody understands what the heck we're talking about unless you've read that book. And uh, it comes out on the same day as this episode. So nobody has read it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, but we have. Okay, so Kelly Fitzpatrick also mentioned that she hopes the series isn't too dark. She doesn't want to see the Game of Thrones thing where people are just always getting killed just as a big shock value. This is another one that I'm not thinking will happen based on some of the stuff that's already been said. The launch video or the the announcement video that featured Anson Mount, he said something like a return to classic Trek with all of the optimism and blah, blah, blah. I feel like they're, they're, taking steps to make this a more optimistic, happy Star Trek. At least that's the impression I get. I hope that's true. Again, not that I have any complaints about the directions the other series are going. I'm enjoying those, but I feel like they have plans to make this one more of a bright, shiny Star Trek. I I agree. I mean, I'm okay with some of the shock value stuff again, but it's like what we're saying about connecting to other Star Treks. Like, lightly but not too heavy-handedly like let's not overdo it people uh last thing i want to mention is something dayton ward said is that uh there will always be some synergy between the books and the shows so it's not that the books and the comics are necessarily canon i think they are going to work with the writers so that the books and the comics fit in and there's not any contradictions, but at some point the show still could override what was written in the books and comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is similar to how it's always been kind of thing, uh, with the exception of, like you said, that that closer synergy between them that we've seen since this new era of Star Trek. Thanks, of course, in large part to Kirsten Beyer and her kind of spearheading that initiative, which I think is cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, I'm sure, tie-in novels and stuff, and I'm sure... Though they will work as closely with the writer's room of Strange New Worlds as the writers have with Discovery and Picard. So 
uh, definitely looking forward to some interesting new books to talk about as well. I know. I'm so excited. There's so much stuff. It's just crazy. It's so incredible. If you just think back just like a few years ago, we weren't really getting much Star Trek anything. I mean, yeah, we got some books and comics, of course. But, you know, Star Trek Beyond came out and then we got through this period of, well, we're getting to get another movie and yeah. anything else coming out. And now it's like, oh, not only do we have a new series, we have multiple new series. There's six television series currently in various stages of production slash announcement slash whatever. That's insane. I love it. Yeah. And, and just a few years ago, I remember saying that it would be ridiculous for CBS not to take advantage of the fact that the TNG cast is still alive and well. They hang out together quite often. Why not utilize that for something? I'm not saying a movie, but something. And yeah. now we've got Star Trek Picard. Yes, it doesn't have the whole TNG crew in there, but they can make appearances. We've had some. I feel like they will all show up eventually. Yeah, but isn't that <laughs> continuity porn? <laughs> eh, whatever. I like it. It's fine. <laughs> if you play it right and not all at once, it, it can work. <laughs> Do you think we're going to get any Lower Decks novels? Uh, I would guess that definitely comics. I think so but, too, for sure comics. But novels, I would say probably not. Maybe. Maybe one. But I would say probably not, but I can see them being worked into other novels. Yeah, references to them in like a Picard novel or, or a TNG novel yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I definitely expect that. <laughs> that would be cool. All right, so uh, let's just talk on some news items before we finish off the show. There's some things in here I want to mention uh, along the lines of comics and novels that we were just talking about, and also gaming, and also about Patrick Stewart. Uh, so let me just quickly talk about Patrick Stewart, since we were just saying something about Star Trek Picard. He is now a writer himself. Well, I think he's maybe written some other things. I don't know. But he's writing his memoir. Because with COVID-19, he's not really that busy, and he just got a comfortable chair. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Uh, it sounds like he's having an enjoyable time writing his memoirs. I know people were wondering why he had stopped doing the sonnet a day for a while there, and it turns out it was because he was working hard on his memoirs at the time, which is pretty exciting. I, I think this is one that I'll definitely want to pick up. Yeah, and this is being done by Gallery Books. They're the publisher of his memoirs, and uh, they're also the ones who publish the Star Trek novels that we've been getting. And this came from The Hollywood Reporter, so it's a reliable source. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the talk. About, it's going to be his whole acting career, up through Star Trek Next Generation and into Star Trek Picard. So it should be an interesting read. Definitely. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing his thoughts on his bromance between him and Sir Ian McKellen as well. I think that's going to be a nice part of the book to read about. Yes, I'm going to love that too. I wonder if they're going to have an audiobook with Patrick Stewart reading it. That could be really interesting. I think I might go that route. I typically don't <laughs> do audiobooks that often, but for that one I might cuz I'd rather have Sir Patrick telling me his life story. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> 
Well, another thing uh, to mention, Deep Space Nine, I think we mentioned this on a previous episode, they have a comic miniseries coming out called Too Long a Sacrifice, and that releases this Wednesday, July 15th, that first issue. So check that out. Uh, We will cover the four issues all together in a future episode to review the Deep Space Nine miniseries as a whole. I think we need to show some Deep Space Nine comic love. Definitely. I want to see this series do really well because you know i've missed having deep space nine comics so i hopefully this sells really well as you said it's going on sale on july 15th that's the day after this episode drops so if you're listening to this episode on the day day of release uh this comic is the first issue is available tomorrow so make sure to go pick that up yeah, the one thing I like about the internet is that everybody who's a Star Trek fan is always looking out for Star Trek things. And then I saw, I think it was on Facebook, someone posted that they saw a posting in Amazon for a new novel, a TOS novel, by Greg Cox called A Contest of Principles, coming out November 26. And I saw Greg Cox comment on it, confirming that, yes, this is happening. Yeah, and actually it's funny because a couple of weeks ago uh, we had emailed a bunch of the Star Trek authors about our plans about what we're planning to do for books and comics here on Positively Trek. And that was actually the first time I heard of it was Greg Cox replied to us and said, by the way, I've got a novel coming out in November. Uh, we should definitely talk about that. We had his most recent TOS novel, The Antares Maelstrom, come out. So, you know... I I love that he's continuing to play in that universe and we'll definitely be getting that one and reading it as soon as we're able. Yeah. And this is a novel that focuses a lot on McCoy and he's vanished and we've got uh, Spock and Chapel leading a team looking for him. So it should be a fun novel to read if you're into TOS, especially in that five-year mission time period. But again, that was November 26th. This was posted on Amazon.co.uk. So that's where this was found. So mark it on your calendars, people, because, yeah, we're going to read it and we're going to discuss it. So what else do we have going on? Oh, gaming. Okay, so Star Trek Online. Here's the thing. I, I'm not going to get in a long story, but let's just say this. I re-entered into Star Trek Online earlier this year, but for some reason, my computer sometimes like gets stuck on something and I can't move forward. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And then once I figure that out, half the time I don't know what I'm doing. I'm flying around and it takes me forever to figure out what's coming up next. So I'm a little confused. I I probably need a little bit of help on this, but we have a new season of something and I don't even understand that season concept. Dan, do you understand the whole seasons with with Star Trek Online? A little bit, yeah. It's basically new chapters in the story they're kind of telling, releasing new content. It's been a few years since I played Star Trek Online. I I played it a lot when it first came out. I've kind of stepped away from it. I don't have a lot of time these days, but it's something that maybe I should poke my head back into. But yeah, we've got kind of a new season, a new set of stories coming called house divided and it's kind of like a big klingon storyline for star trek online so this looks pretty interesting it does and so there's a trailer i saw it on trekcore.com you gave us the link dan so i'm sure you probably put that in the notes too but you know it's showing and i don't know how i feel about this but i know star trek online deals a lot with time travel but we have 
Takuvma's sister from Discovery traveling to the 24th century to fight the current Klingon regime that's out there. And so you have the new looking Discovery Klingons from the past finding the future TNG DS9 Voyager type Klingons in the future, <laughs> whatever. And uh, I mean, it looks fun. And there's a trailer. And then apparently you can also win the Red Angel suit to help you time travel or something. See, this just shows I'm not that familiar with online because I'm still flying around trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go next. (laughs) That's pretty cool. One thing that I love from this is we have a character called Akar, I think, and he's the grandfather of Gowron and he's played by Robert O'Reilly. And the look that they've given him, he looks like Gowron. He's got Gowron's eyes and his mutton chops, but his head, he's bald and he's got like the the Discovery style Klingon headpiece, which is what we could just assume is under the hair of the TNG style Klingons. But it looks really cool. I love the character design they've come up with for him. And we also have J.G. Hertzler returning as Martok, the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire from Deep Space Nine. So... Uh, yeah, really excited to see these actors returning to these roles and, and in Robert O'Reilly's case, creating this character of Akar. Well, and one of the things I really like about the trailer and what they're doing with this game is putting these new looking Klingons with these, as you call them, like the TNG looking Klingons together, because I like to imagine that on Kronos and the Klingon Empire and the different worlds, there's all these different looking Klingons. And they're not, they don't all look the similar style and, and color and, and just even the forms of their heads, like you're saying. Like, I'd like to think there's a difference in that. I'd like to see more of that even in Discovery or Strange New Worlds, uh, the mix of them. The diversity. We need Klingon diversity is what we need. <laughs> Definitely. And then the other thing is the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game has an update. And I thought this is interesting, too, because this is their Klingon Empire core rulebook that they've come out with. And from what I understand from reading this, because I don't play Star Trek Adventure, because like you said, I don't have time. You and I have discussed about when this first came out a while ago, like, we should do this together. But yeah, time. I know I I have the core rule book for like the original one and a bunch of the the stuff. And I just have not had time to even look into it really, or or figure out I've never played D and D. I don't know how to play these games. I need to learn, but yeah, when will I find the time? But yeah, this looks really cool. So this, this is an expansion of Star Trek adventures. It looks like uh, Klingon campaigns and creating adventures for Klingon characters and that sort of thing. See, I want to buy these books just to look through them. You know, I, I do, like I said, I have the Starfleet one from 2017 and it is beautiful. Like there's some really interesting stuff in there as far as the writing, but the artwork especially is absolutely gorgeous. And like, there's one picture on here and it took me a moment to figure out exactly what it was it's these three Klingon warriors attacking these flying things that are coming at them. And it took me a little while to realize they're the like neural parasite things from the TOS episode, Operation Annihilate. I love that. Yeah. I want to get these. They're just a little expensive. I mean, they are pricey. Yeah. For for here in the U S this one's like $56. So, um, I don't know. I just like, I just want to look through it. That's all. I just want to look through it. Someday I'll play this game. Someday. 
I'll get a group together. I have I have a bunch of friends that do D and D, and they've expressed interest. I it's just it's me that doesn't have the time. So I have a friend who's been trying to get me to play D and D with him. He they have like a group that gets together. I think every Thursday night. I don't even know if they're still doing that anymore. But I mean, for a while they were doing it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, and you can dress up if you want. You create your character." And I was like, "I kind of know how it works. I've played a little bit here and there in past years, but it would just be like a one time thing." But I would like to do this. I mean, I just, again, when? When would I have the time to do this and Star Trek Online and read all the books and watch all the episodes and podcasts? And I just need to quit my job. That's it. I'm, I'm writing my resignation right now. Dear Janice, <laughs> <laughs> I have to quit my job so I have more time for Star Trek. I'm sure you understand. Well, maybe not, but... You should play Star Trek Adventures with me, and then you will understand. Sincerely, Bruce. There we go. Well, I certainly get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I will say this. We're getting so much Star Trek, whether it's on the screen or in a book or online, whatever it is, what a good problem to have is too much Star Trek. It's definitely not something that... Uh... You know, I'm going to complain about too much. I will complain. I definitely will complain that I don't have time to play Star Trek Adventures and Star Trek Online. But uh, I won't complain too much because somebody out there is playing all of this stuff and loving it and, you know, making sure there will always be more for us. We'll just have to keep talking Star Trek because there's so much out there. We'll have plenty more episodes here on Positively Trek. So, well, that ends this week's episode we'll see you guys again next week dan where can people find you online you can find me on twitter i'm at kurtrats that's k-e-r-t-r-a-t-s you can also find me on my youtube channel kurtrats productions and then you can find me on twitter at admiral underscore rex and you can find me occasionally on the star wars report podcast and i think that's it maybe yeah well we're 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 wrapping up our literary Trek stuff. Our last episode is on August 2nd. Yes, August 2nd. So tune in for that. And then, as Dan mentioned, we'll be doing books and comics here on this show, too. So we'll see you around for those. So everyone stay positive, and we'll see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.